We're grateful to be able to be together on this Lord's Day. And uh, several comments were made as we were gathering. Boy, aren't we glad we're not out in the parking lot today (laughs) with all this rain. Uh, It's great to be able to be inside and be sheltered from the elements and be able to join together and worship God. We thank you all for being here, for your participation, and for the encouragement that you give us by virtue of being here. Thanks. We pray that in all things, God will be glorified and we will be edified. Thank you all for being here today. Let me ask you a question. Have you been alarmed by the scenes on TV uh, showing violent protests and rioting and looting? Have you been alarmed by that sort of thing? I think you probably have. In fact, that's caused a lot of people to ask, is this the end of our great country? Are we seeing things that will lead to the dissolution of our way of life, the, the system of government that we have, and so forth? I think it's, it's certain that changes are underway. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And recent events are surely a sign that things are changing, and it is a concerning trend to be sure. I want to suggest to you that the decline of our society is not something that's just happened in the last few weeks or months. The decline of our society is something that's actually been underway for a long time. What is happening here is actually predictable. We could predict what's happening in our country if we just studied history. Just by virtue of history and what happens in various cultures and society, we should be able to foresee what is happening. But I'll tell you, we have an extra insight into that because we can read an inspired description of the kind of things that are happening in our world today and in our culture, in our country, in our society particularly. And today, for a few minutes, what we want to do is study a text that lays this all out in detail. If you will, take your New Testaments and turn to Romans chapter 1 and beginning at verse 18. I think we're going to see that the Apostle Paul gives a very accurate and true inspired description of the decline of society, the the way that societies deteriorate and ultimately end. And I think he suggests there are four stages in that process. The first stage in that process is ignorance. And it's a specific kind of ignorance. It's not general ignorance. You know, people can't read, they can't do arithmetic. No, it's a specific ignorance of God. Read with me here in Romans chapter 1, beginning verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse." For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their, in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Notice that here in this familiar text to us, that the, the apostle speaks of those who are without excuse. 
They have no excuse for the way they act. They have no excuse for ignoring the reality of God. When James prayed for us just earlier, he mentioned the, the evidence of God's great creative work and the power of it as we look out around. Even this very day, as these thunderstorms have been rolling through, uh, they're just one simple illustration of the incredible power of God. When we look at the specific things that God has made, when we look at living things on planet Earth from the very simplest living forms to the most complicated, which is the human body itself, we see that God's power is evident. Notice, Paul says these things should be understood by what you can see. The things that God has made should indicate to us that there surely is a God. Uh, And in fact, if you could look at the physical universe and ignore the reality of God, Paul says that's inexcusable. There's no excuse for that. There's no excuse for a person who could see all of this amazing creation from the tiny, minute things that God has made to the vastness of the entire physical universe. You look at that and you say there is no God. That's inexcusable. There's no excuse for a person who would do that. But these people who ignore God, who are ignorant of God, Notice, they do not honor Him and they don't give thanks. These are the kind of people who can see all of this and they have no regard for God whatsoever. Give Him no honor for His great power. But furthermore, they enjoy all of this amazing creation and they have no gratitude. There's no thanks in their heart. They do not honor Him. They do not give Him thanks. This text that I'm using on the screen today is the New American Standard Version. And I want, you, I want to point out an expression here in verse 18. They suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Emphasis on this word suppressed. If you're looking at the King James Version, the King James Version says they hold the truth in unrighteousness. The word hold there in the King James means to hold down. And, and I think the New American Standard Version makes it clear. They try to suppress the truth. Uh, there's lots of ways that they do that. But we see it. We see it happening. And my point is the description that Paul's making here is evident in our society. They suppress the truth and unrighteousness. I'll give you an illustration. And we'll talk a little bit more about this particular sin in a minute. But think about the homosexual movement in our society. What do the homosexuals do? They try to suppress the truth through intimidation, through lawsuits. They try to suppress the truth about homosexuality. Uh, It's now been labeled as hate hate speech. and, And you could even be prosecuted for using hate speech. I think that's going to come closer and closer to home with us when we preach biblical truth about homosexuality. I think that it perhaps is not so far away that we might be prosecuted for speaking those Bible truths because the homosexuals want to suppress that. They want to suppress the, the, the truth that has been demonstrated in study after study concerning the negative effects of homosexuality on individuals and on society at large. They want to suppress that. The studies are clear. We're not even talking about what the Bible says, just the, the studies that have been conducted by various organizations clearly shows the negative impact of homosexuality on individuals and on families and on culture in general, but the homosexual movement wants to suppress that. Uh, 
So they suppress the truth and unrighteousness. They ignore God. They're ignorant about Him. They do not honor Him. They do not give thanks. Society grows darkened. Notice, their foolish heart was darkened. Think about how as people ignore God, refuse to even consider God, notice how things get worse and worse. In John chapter 3, in verse 19, John chapter 3, verse 19, Jesus said, This is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. I think that's what we see going on here. Their foolish heart is darkened. They will not come to the light. They're not interested. Have you, in recent time, I'm sure you have, tried to engage someone in a discussion of spiritual things? They are absolutely not interested in that at all. I don't think we should use it as an excuse. I think we've got to keep trying to evangelize in this world. But the fact of the matter is the world does not want to hear those things. Their foolish heart is darkened. They will not come to the light. They're not interested in that sort of thing at all. And finally, in this set of verses, he says, they profess to be wise, but they actually become fools. Psalm 14, verse 1 says, the, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. We got an awful lot of people and an increasing percentage of people in our society who say there is no God. They believe they're wise. They believe they're so intellectually enlightened, but they're actually foolishly denying the God who created all things. And so the first step in this societal decline is ignorance, specifically ignorance of God and His ways. Does anything that we just mentioned, does any of this description that we've just read, does that sound familiar? Does that sound like some of the things that we see happening in our world today? Step one is ignorance of God. Step two, as the text continues, is idolatry. In verse 23 of our text in Romans 1, he says, They exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and of four-footed animals and crawling creatures. As you read that description there, what comes to your mind? Well, I think, obviously, what comes to mind first is literal idols that men construct. Uh, they may construct the idols in the form of a human, or at least the idol has human characteristics, but they, they may even combine human characteristics and animal characteristics, or it may be an animal uh, itself, but they make literal idols, right? And men have done that throughout the history of time. Idolatry has been a problem that's been around forever. Well, someone says, we don't do that. You're saying that our society is declining, but we're not constructing idols. We're not making idols. Well, that's, that's true. Uh, in the literal sense, we are not making idols. But our idols are the idols of self and selfish interest and materialism. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, in the English Standard Version, it says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And so, as people pursue their selfish interests, as they gratify their fleshly desires, as they make 
material gain, their top priority, Paul says there in Colossians 3, verse 15, that that's a form of idolatry. That's what they're worshiping. They might not construct a golden calf, but they have made these things what they worship. There is a word that we don't use very much in average conversation that, that actually pertains to this. It's called hedonism. And hedonism is what we are as a society. It's all about here and now, about me and what I can have and what I can enjoy and what desires I can gratify. Hedonism. That is the new idolatry. And we are fully given over to that. The worship of self and evil lust and materialism, that is what so obviously our society is given over to. I think you have to agree about that. I don't think that's a debatable point. And so idolatry is the second step in the process of societal decline. You see any signs of that? Are we declining? The third step is indulgence. Read, keep reading there in Romans 1. Therefore God gave them over to the lust of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason God gave them over to degrading passions. For their women changed the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another. Men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. You know, this from idolatry to indulgence, uh, that's a pretty easy step to take. Because if man is his own God, then he can do whatever he pleases to do. If you can ignore God and set yourself up in the place of God, then indulge yourself. Do what you want. These are sort of obviously progressive steps The text here specifically illustrates this step of indulgence in uh, this step of decline in indulgence. It it illustrates it with one of the most explicit descriptions of homosexuality found anywhere in the Bible. Now, the Bible condemns homosexuality over and over again, but if you were to pick one text, certainly a New Testament text that so explicitly describes homosexuality, you would have to pick this one. Notice uh, that Paul says these are degrading passions. When When people pursue this sort of thing, he says it's degrading passions. If it's degrading, then what he is saying by that is that the pursuit of these things brings us down. It's a destructive sort of thing. Uh, Notice, he goes on to say that these things produce horrible consequences. Notice, they are receiving in their persons the due penalty of their error. You can't do this sort of thing without paying a price for it. There is a consequence for making these choices against God's will. Now, a lot of times when we talk about the consequences of sin, any sin, all sins, homosexuality is mentioned in this text, but it's true of all sins. There's a price to be paid for sin. Very often we emphasize the eternal consequence of sin. 
In other words, you're going to go to hell. You're not going to go to heaven. You're going to suffer eternal torment. That's something to be considered for sure. But when we talk about the consequences of sin, know that sin also has this life kinds of consequences too. Here and now, not just hereafter, but here and now, people pay the due penalty of their error. In 2 Peter chapter 2, in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 12, beginning, Peter says, These as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed speak evil of the things that they understand not and shall utterly perish in their own corruption and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness. So Peter mentions the same thing there, that there's a price to be paid for making sinful choices. It degrades us and we suffer the consequences. And so this is step three, indulging the passions. And I believe that we clearly see in our society a a culture, a society fully given over to indulgence, indulging every evil passion. That's what happens. That is the process of societal decline. That's stage three. And again, I keep asking you, do you see any... In this description, which is nearly a 2,000-year-old description, do you see anything that seems to fit what we're observing in our world today? And I believe your answer to that has to be definitely yes. Well, the fourth step in this sad process is impenitence, and that is refusing to repent. So ignorance, idolatry, indulgence, and impenitence. Keep reading Paul's description there at verse 28. And just as they did not see, just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. So they won't change. They're committed to their way of life. A German philosopher by the name of Hegel said this, and I think it's a pretty good observation, but I don't think it's unique to him. I think others have clearly understood that. Here's what he said. What experience and history teach us is this, that people and governments never have learned anything from history or acted on the principles deduced from it. What he's saying is the history of this kind of decline is obvious You can see it repeated over and over and over again in history. But people don't learn from that. Governments don't learn from that. You ought to be able to draw a conclusion and say, well, we shouldn't do that because that goes in a bad direction. No. Governments don't do that. And and people very often don't do that. People don't say, well, I'm not going to do that because I I don't want to be where this leads. They just keep following that path. In other words, they keep marching down the same destructive path. And unfortunately, we see that. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, at verse 13, the Apostle Paul says, Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. That's just the process. It gets worse and worse. Evil men get worse and worse. 
It is as though they reach a point of no return. Could you say that? Could you say that you can go so far down the path that you reach a point of no return where you won't repent and you refuse to repent for so long that you're just locked in? In Jeremiah chapter 6, as the prophet was sadly decrying the horrible spiritual state in, in, uh, in his world, he said, verse 15, Jeremiah 6, verse 15, Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush. Therefore they shall fall among them that fall. At the time I will visit them, they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. This is not a new thing. Well, the point we're making here is this, this description is not new. It's been repeated over and over and over again. Here, Paul was writing about 2,000 years ago. Jeremiah was prophesying hundreds of years before that. And yet they keep describing the same sort of decline. Can't even blush. They're not ashamed of what they do. Well, wait a minute. Does that describe our world? It does, doesn't it? People have no shame for the thing that they do. Just as a side note, and I think it's necessary to point it out, here Paul condemns those, in verse 32, though they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they do the same. But notice, they also give hearty approval to those who practice them. I think that's a warning for us. You know, it's, it, maybe we do not give, uh, do not, we, we, maybe we console ourselves by saying we are not involved in some of the horrible things that people do in our culture, in our society, and the evil things that people commit. But I want to tell you, it, it may be that we're among those who give our hearty approval to those who practice such things. And so, I go to a, R-rated movie at the theater. And the R-rated movie depicts all kinds of horrible depravity. But I pay my money and I set to be entertained by those who do such things. I'm, what am I doing? Am I not giving my approval to those who commit such sins? If I allow myself to watch and be entertained by those who commit such atrocities? I don't have to go to the theater though. I can watch it on TV. I can, I can log on the Internet and see all the filth that a person could possibly imagine. And when I do, I'm giving hearty approval to those who practice such things. We gotta be, I think as people of God, we've got to be particularly careful about that. We do not want to allow society to drag us along into their depravity. Our society is in intense decline the danger is that it pulls us along with it. We're not at the cutting edge of that decline. We're not out there doing the worst things that the worst people do. But our standards are being constantly eroded by virtue of what we see them do. They influence us. Our society is in sad decline. As the people of God, we've got to stand firm in the face of that. Well, four stages of societal decline. I think Paul's got it perfectly described, don't you? And of course, we would expect nothing else. This is the inspired Word of God. But when people are ignorant of God, when they set themselves up as their own idolatrous God, they then engage in all sorts of indulgence and they ultimately reach a point where they will not repent. 
four stages of societal decline. Can you sadly see our society in this progressive path? I think the sad answer is yes. Yes, you can see America in that progressive path. And i got to say, I think we're well down the road. We're not just starting that path. We're well down that road. Now, if you want, if you want to be even made more alarmed, saddened even further, let me give you a little history. The great Assyrian Empire that we read about in the Old Testament, they conquered Israel. They were the world power in their day. They lasted 247 years before they were overthrown. You may remember that God sent the prophet Jonah to warn them. They repented temporarily, but not in the long term, and they were destroyed. The Assyrian Empire lasted 247 years. The next great world empire was Babylon. Babylon and their great king Nebuchadnezzar, they're the ones that conquered Judah and carried them off into captivity, as you well remember. Babylon lasted 208 years. 208 One of the next great world empires was the Greek Empire under Alexander the Great. Ruled the whole world in its day. Alexander actually sat down and wept because he had no no new lands to conquer. He'd conquered everything. Greece lasted 231 years. Of course, in New Testament times, when Jesus came, and we, we read the events recorded in our New Testament, the great world empire was the Roman Empire. Rome lasted in its, in its zenith 207 years. So let me read that again. Assyria, 247. Babylon, 208. Greece, 231. Rome, 207. Last week was the 4th of July. America is 244 years old. Does that sound like a, a, an alarming number in comparison to those others? I'll let you draw your own conclusions about that. But our society is in desperate state of decline. The one thing we've got to do is protect ourselves and our family, our young people. We cannot allow this to take us down with it. What's going to happen to America? Uh, I'm not a prophet. And neither are you, but I don't think you really have to be a prophet to see what happens when nations forget God. It's just all too evident, isn't it? It's way too obvious. The future does not look bright for our society. But our future is bright if we keep following God, do His will faithfully. Don't let society take us down that destructive path. We've got to be true to God. Thanks for your good attention to what we've had to say. We're going to sing a song of invitation And as we sing that song, we'll be asking, are you being true to God? For those of us who are Christians, that means we've got to avoid the influences of this evil society around us. Not let it drag us down. But if you understand or realize that in your case, maybe you have been going in that path. There's no future in that path. That is not taking you where you want to go. And if you, a child of God, have been evilly influenced by this world and done things that you should not do. You need to come back to God in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help in that way, we want to. We'll pray with you and for you. If you're not yet a Christian, you need to obey that simple gospel plan of salvation. Hear, believe, repent, confess. Be baptized for the remission of sins. Start your life on the path of serving God. It is the right way. 
for now and for hereafter. If we can help you in any way, let us know what we stand and sing this song.